the uh, time constraints. And uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, I don't have any more to sell at the moment because the next stock of 450 is uh, uh, at the dock at the port that uh, needs to be cleared. And I'm having some hassle, so please pray for me that it will clear this, this week. Um, well, let me just pray before I begin uh, this, this message because I believe uh, it's more than just the book. It's, it's what God wants to do in our hearts. Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, what you're doing in our midst. We thank you for revealing more and more of yourself to us through your word. And that's what it's all, life is all about knowing you through your word, through your Holy Spirit. And uh, you've said that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And let us hold on to that which will never pass away, that will last forever. We cover this place with your precious blood. May you speak to us, Holy Spirit. We welcome you to come and anoint your words today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, the um, tagline or the uh, thing that's written at the bottom there is revealing the secret power of God's armor. Many of us, we, when we read Ephesians chapter 6, we just read it through and we uh, do not know how to apply that to our practical lives. And so this book is about that. Now, there are a, a lot, I realize that uh, after it's been printed, I realize there's a lot of mistakes that uh, are in the book. There's paragraph mistakes, which the printer did. Uh, not my fault, but uh, somehow, they, and I didn't spot it. And uh, there's paging uh, mistakes as well. So hopefully the next print, we will try and correct some of these things. Now, let me begin with a testimony of uh, Pastor Jonathan Mock from ICC. Uh, it's actually written in the book, but uh, I thought I'd just clarify that. It says, I have already begun to apply it personally and have led my leadership team and the church to pray the prayers in this book, Spiritual Exercise. Actually, um, he did this before the book was, <laughs> was produced because I sent him the electronic copy and uh, because uh, he, he, he wrote uh, an endorsement in my book, so I sent him the whole book. And he asked for permission to duplicate the appendices for the leadership to, to pray through. And we have already started to see individual lives, families, and marriages influence and transform that by the power of praying and applying the armor of God. There was a... Actually, just to elaborate on that, there was a couple that was having uh, terrible marriage issues. They were really fighting all the time and he was counseling them and he couldn't even sort out their problem. And then he got them to uh, put on the full armor of God every day. And then he wrote, he, he rang me and he says, Pastor Roland, their marriage is fixed simply by putting on the armor of God. Because what it does is that the armor of God fixes you. It cleanses you. It uh, takes all your uh, muck and your poison and you give that to the Lord. He gives us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. So that's basically what the armor, if I were to boil it down, 
It's a spiritual en encounter time. It's a spiritual exchange that you do with the Lord during your devotion. That's why I encourage you to go through, preferably Appendix 2, uh, with the Lord each morning before you go to work. Now, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth. So today we are going to cover very quickly, and I'll just touch on, on key points of the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the sandals of peace. But first of all, let me just state this, that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth. In John 16, 13, however, when He, the Spirit of Truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. How good is that? So you don't even have to be fearful of the future because the future doesn't look very bright for the world. Look at the news and, and you, you, you will get into your anxieties. You know, you have to put on the sandals of peace after listening to the news every day. But, you know, the Holy Spirit can warn you, can tell you, don't go there, don't, don't do this. And if only we learn to hear His voice. He's the Spirit of truth. And uh, so we have the belt of truth. So in putting on the belt of truth, so every morning when I wake up, I go through the armor of God and place my hand on the parts of the body that relates to each piece. And as I put on the belt of truth, I welcome the spirit of truth into our lives. Because this world is full of lies and deception. The things that you hear on the news, you, you don't even know whether it's a, it's a twisted truth. And you, the things that you hear from people, there's a lot of lies. And, and I will be sharing some of the lies that are perpetrated in this world. But... We welcome the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. He is the only one who has the, the full truth. And His presence, His voice, His guidance, and His conviction in our lives. Many a time, we, we, you know, there's, there's a teaching which goes like this. It says that the Holy Spirit will never convict you of sin, but of your righteousness in Christ. Now, that's a terrible lie. It is. And it's, it's very well accepted around the world. It's been published in the book and, and all of that, that the Holy Spirit will never convict you of sin, but of your righteousness, of how righteous you are. That's, that's nonsense. It's true that He will convict you of your righteousness in Christ, but first He will convict you of your sin, of the errors, of how you're treating your spouse, how you are speaking to your children, or children He will speak to you, how you are dishonoring your parents and things like that. Without the Holy Spirit, we'll never know the right path to take. So we've got to renounce the lies and deception and foolishness of our heart because ever since sin came into our lives, our hearts have become foolish. It says that our hearts are most deceptive above all things. And we don't even know that we have been deceived. Like uh, Eve in the Garden of Eden, she was just misled. Even though she's so intelligent, she has all the, the brilliance that, of a perfect woman, but yet she was deceived. 
the distortion of truth affects every aspect of your life. Do you know that? And so we need to renounce these things from us and then ask the Holy Spirit for His wisdom, knowledge, understanding, discernment and His revelation. Young people, I, I guarantee you, that here's a secret to you excelling in, in your work, that every morning as you ask the Holy Spirit for His wisdom, knowledge, understanding, discernment and revelation, suddenly your, your mind will be uh, uh, sparked off. You know, your mind will be enlightened and, and you'll be able to understand, you'll be ha having wisdom beyond even your age. I remember when I was working uh, in Unilever, and many of my colleagues were very jealous of me because I, had, I was promoted faster than, than those of my peers. And they were wondering how come I had wisdom beyond my years. Those were the very words. that they, And it's not to my credit. It's, it's because of the wisdom from God's Word. I read the book of Proverbs every day and ask God for His wisdom. So when I encounter problems, I automatically know what to do, what to answer, you know. And uh, I remember when I went for my interview with Unilever, we had to go through four interviews because 1,200 people applied for six jobs those days. And it was 1980. And jobs were very scarce. And I, I went into the interview and there were others in the uh, interview. We had a case study and we were observed as to how we handled the case study. And, um, and there were people with PhD, master's degree, MBA and all that eyeing for the same job. And I, I thought, wow, you know. And, and when, when they say start, case study start, this lady was very aggressive. She has a PhD in biology, all right, and uh, from some university overseas, and she was really smart, and she jumped in, and she says, I'll take charge of this case study. And, and she orchestrated the whole thing. Of course, she didn't get it. Too aggressive. <laughs> but uh, the, the Lord gave me wisdom to, to answer all the questions, and I, didn't, I had no experience in business. But somehow, God's wisdom just comes through. I've, uh, I, I testify to this fact that uh, it really works. So young people, ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom, knowledge, understanding, discernment. Proverbs tells us to have His wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of lies and deception out there. How can we overcome the deception that's out there in the world? How do we... Uh, stay above this deception and stay on the, the truth. The, the key is the love of the truth, as we see in this verse here. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, it says, The coming of the lawless one, meaning the Antichrist, who is, who is coming, is according to the working of Satan. He's working for Satan. With all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. So if you don't love the truth, if you don't love the Word of God and try to understand God's Word, don't love correction when correction is done in your life, 
you are going to fall into deception very easily done. Oops. Oops. Let me show you this cartoon that I saw uh, in the internet and I thought it's quite uh, funny and, and quite relevant. It says, the serpent says to Eve, he says, you will not surely die. This is a scripture from, from the Bible, from Genesis. When you eat of the fruit, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Right? We see that scenario in the, uh, in the Garden of Eden. And then Eve replies, of course, this is not in the Bible. Your transparent appeal to our pride and naivety is no match for the security and joy we have here in God's presence. All right, let's look. It's organic, rich in antioxidants, and now available in convenient 60 packs. We'll take two. <laughs> in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 11 and 12, it says, and for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth. You know, lies can really derail you and, oops, sorry. Let's look at some of the lies that are out there in the world that's affecting even all of us that we come from pond scum and monkeys. But the Bible says that we are created in the image of God. Nowhere does the Bible say that the pond scum, meaning algae, and monkeys and animals were created in the image of God. Only men and women were created in the image of God. And that we are gender, the, the you know, the, the, the government and the world is throwing out to you that we are gender neutral. doesn't matter whether you're male or female. The safe school program is building toilets for male and female. And some parents are, are actually screaming out now to say that I don't want my, uh, my girl, my daughter, uh, sharing bathroom with guys coming in, you know. But Bible says in Genesis 5-2 that He created us male and female. And even in Genesis 1-27 where it talks about the image of God, He created them male and female. And another lie that, that's out there is there's no heaven or hell. Oh, never mind. There's no life beyond death. When you die, that's it. You get cremated, burn, kaput, you know, finish. That's it. And, and you fertilize the plants. That's all. That's not true because there is a judgment, there is a heaven, and there is a hell. And Jesus himself stated that. The scriptures, are, you can look that up. Everything is relative. I know that Einstein came up with the theory of relativity and, and so on. To some extent, there, there's the law of rel relativity, but it doesn't mean that everything is relative because there are absolutes. It says heaven and earth will pass away, but not a jot and tittle of His Word will pass. His Word is absolute. It will never change. So be very careful to go with the flow of where the world is heading. We've got to always check with the Word of God. Does the Word of God endorse this or not? 
Another lie that's out there is God is so hard, so harsh, and so unkind. Look at all the earthquakes, all the sufferings in this world. He's such a hard taskmaster. And this is exactly what the person in the parable of the talents, the person with the one talent said, Oh, I knew you to be a hard master, to be a hard man. That's a lie of the devil. God is not a harsh and unkind God. He's a loving and merciful God. But you've got to come to Him. You've got to repent of your ways and He will show you His mercy. His mercies are new every morning. You know, believing a lie can really damage you, can really destroy your life. Look at the uh, jihadists. They believe, they were told a lie that if you blow people up, you will make it to heaven with how many virgins? 72 or increase, is it? In, inflation, yeah. They're, they're told a lie that if you blow people up, kill people, and blow yourself up, you'll make it to heaven. What a, a ridiculous thing. But yet, it is believed by thousands of jihadists. Can you imagine that people would even believe such a ridiculous thing? But you know, it's not just the jihadists that are living out the lie. There are many, even Christians, you are living out the lie of the devil in your life. The devil tells you you are no good. You, you can amount to nothing. You can never achieve anything in your life. You can only go up to year 12. You cannot study beyond that. That's what the Aboriginal students at Shepparton that we support, we have this scholarship bursary program to help them. Many of them, they finish off at year 9. They drop out of school because in their minds they believe that they, at the highest they can go to is year 12. But through our mentoring, and thank God for our bursary committee, they mentor these uh, Aboriginal, what we call Kuri students, and uh, tell them, try and erase the lie from their mind, from their heart, that they are capable of greater things. And so as a result, many of these uh, students that we pr uh, support, they have made it to university. One got a scholarship at Trinity College and, and became engineers and, and, and all of that. Isn't that wonderful? That's what God wants to do. We, let's give a hand for the committee, the average, the, our bursary. I'll, I'll take this opportunity to throw in something here for them. But it's, it's a great work that they are doing. Let's move on now to the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness, the next piece is about our right standing with God, about our identity, knowing who we really are, our origin, that we come from God, and we are going back to God. See, if you don't know where you've come from, who you are, and where you are heading, you don't have that compass in your life. You don't have a sense of security. It's like you being lost in the Grand Canyon or out in the bush somewhere without your, your phone and without a GPS. You know, it's, it's a scary thing, I tell you. When you are lost in the forest or out in the a canyon and you don't have your bearing, 
I, you're finished. But, you know, coming to the Lord, knowing who we are in Him, provides that spiritual compass. And, and it, we are so secure to know who, who, where we've come from, that our ultimate Father is our Heavenly Father. And we know what our task, our mission is, to proclaim the good news and to build His kingdom here on earth. It's not just to build your kingdom, not just to have your own fun, although God wants you to have fun, but it's more than that, that there is a mission for you, there's a purpose for your life, and that you know where you are heading. So you know what? I'm not scared of death. And Evelyn and I are praying that we will both go hand in hand together to the Lord. And... Uh, and that we will walk into heaven and we, we look so forward to meeting our Heavenly Father, Jesus and the Holy Spirit and uh, see our, our destiny, you know, our place in heaven. Isn't that wonderful to have that sense of identity? A lot of people, they feel lost. They don't know who they really are. And no wonder you go around in circles in this life. You may be the, the most successful person on earth, but yet, you know what? You don't really know what all your millions is all about. Our position, our authority in Christ, that we are sons and daughters. By the way, Roger, fully armed grasshoppers are sons and daughters. <laughs> our sons and daughters are kings and priests unto God. That if you, that's why you put on this breastplate to remind yourself of your position that you are a son and daughter of Jesus, of God, that you are a king and priest. You have His authority and you have His favor, that uh, you have complete forgiveness and freedom from your guilt and condemnation. I find that a lot of Christians walk around with a, a heavy sense of condemnation and guilt of a sin that they've committed years ago or even last week. Well, if you have that, just renounce it. Just ask God for forgiveness and it's as simple as that. And, and our Father loves you. He pours His favor. Every morning I walk out of my house and I say, thank you, Lord, that I have favor with God and man. Jesus had that. He, it says of Jesus that He had favor with God and man. So as you walk to your office, why don't you say, I have favor with my bosses. I'll be the, the most favored child, most favored employee in this office. Nothing wrong with that. I'm a blessing everywhere I go. Right? Blessing everywhere I go. And, and you will begin to see things even though your, your boss is like uh, Hitler or Idi Amin, you know, as my boss was. Just keep confessing until he changes. And, uh, you know, my boss used to scold me four-letter words, thumb the table and shout at not just me, everyone. He's, he's that kind of character. Uh, but towards the end, he apologized to me. You know, that's the, the, the favor of God. You've got to be, claim it. If you don't declare it, and you don't claim your inheritance, it's just going to stay there, right? So if, if I leave all my property to Roger, let's say, all right, when, when I go, 
and, and is bequeathed to Roger. The, the, uh, the solicitors say, it's there for you, Roger, but he doesn't claim it. He just still, you know, just goes by. His, uh, he's rich enough anyway, so it's, uh, that's all right. But he, he doesn't claim it. That, that property that I leave him is just going to sit there, right? So in the same way, God has given us authority, power, confidence, freedom from guilt and condemnation, and, and, and security, but you're not going to get it until you claim it. You've got to do that action. And that's why in 1 John 5, 14 to 15, by the way, the breastplate of righteousness covers our heart. All right? So this, this is the area that uh, God is dealing with. It says, this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, he hears us, and if we know that He, if we have the confidence that He hears us, if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. So it's all, it all boils down to confidence. Many a times when we pray, we do not pray with confidence. And that's why our prayers don't get heard. We pray, God... Oh, if it be your will, please, I'm just a miserable worm and I don't deserve it. But in your goodness and mercy, please, Lord, please leak a bit of blessing upon my life. And, uh, you know, help me, Lord. I'm so pathetic. I'm so hopeless. That, that kind of prayers. God won't answer that kind of prayers. That, that, that it, uh, it's it's uh, an insult to what He has done for us. It's really an insult. We've got to come and have faith and believe that He has cleansed us, He, he favours us, He loves us. Not only loves us, He actually likes us. He actually likes to keep company with you. Like Roger said, you know. And, and if we have that perspective of God, we will begin to have confidence. And when we pray, we say, get out in the name of Jesus, this uh, uh, condition. You know, did I share, I, I think I didn't share here, that, that the um, um, optometrist, did I share that last week? Did I share last Sunday? I, no. The optometrist, I went three times and had my eye tested. And the optometrist says that I have glaucoma. This was a month ago, all right? And, uh, and so I had it tested three times and did the field test and everything. And then she referred me to the opto ophthalmologist, right? It's kind of uh, hard to pronounce, Opt which is the specialist, eye specialist in Q. So I, before I went to see the ophthalmologist, I was quite upset and, and uh, quite disturbed or anxious about the fact that I'm developing glaucoma. And I say, no, I'm not going to have glaucoma in Jesus' name. Glaucoma, you have no place in this body. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I kick you out in Jesus' name, alright? So I went with confidence, knowing that God will do something. And when the, the, the specialist tested me, he says, oh, strange. Your eyes are perfect. Nothing wrong. 
you know? And they even did a scan inside the retina and, and, and all of that. He says, but just to make sure, come back three months later. He wants my money, that's why. No, no I'm just kidding. But we've got to have that confidence. And, uh, you know, the armor of God really works. Let me tell you this. It really prepares you to be confident before God and particularly when you're ministering to people. You're not ministering uh, from a position of, of uh, insecurity. You're, you're ministering as a king and priest, taking authority, not asking God, can you please do this? Can you please do that? God tells you to heal the sick. You to raise the dead. He tells, so we have that. And in Hebrews 4, 15 to 16, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly, not timidly, to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we have Jesus here. The reason why Jesus came in the flesh is so that He can identify with all of us. If many of you think that, oh, God sits up there on the throne, He doesn't know my issues. <laughs> Would you like to live the life of Jesus that He lived on earth? You know, having uh, to suffer and, and all of that. Our sufferings is nothing compared to Jesus. And if He can overcome that, we can because we are in Him and we can come boldly to His throne of grace. It's a throne of grace. He's there to... And, and to illustrate that, there's a story in the Old Testament of Queen Esther that ably uh, reflect this, this whole aspect of entering His, his throne of grace, Because Queen Esther, as you know, she cannot just simply go into the king's presence. Not like my wife can come to my presence so easily, you know. That, that's no problem, you know. I don't slay her when she just comes unannounced, you know. But in those days, with the king, with the king, he, nobody, even his wife, cannot come into his throne room without appointment, without asking for permission. So the only thing that will spare a, a person not be killed is if he extends out his scepter. And it symbolizes the scepter of righteousness, actually, of, uh, of the king. That means you are, when it says scepter of righteousness, it means you are in right standing with the king, with me. You are okay with me. I favor you. That's, that's what it is. And so Queen Esther, she knew that she was told that her people will be massacred very shortly and she needs to appeal to the king and she fasted for three days and nights and, and, and prepared herself spiritually. Uh, and so it's like putting on the armor of God, all right, her, her fasting and prayer. And then she comes boldly knowing that she was prepared Oh, even if I get killed, never mind. For the sake of my people, I will just enter with confidence before my king. And then the king sees her and he, he's surprised. And, but he stretches out his scepter of righteousness, saying that you're okay with me. I accept you. You know, then the, the guards won't come and, and, and slaughter her. 
Otherwise, if he doesn't stretch that out and she doesn't touch it, then the, the guards will get her and, and, and kill her. So that's a picture of what Jesus has done for us that because of the, his sacrifice on the cross, he, God now stretches out his scepter of righteousness to all of us that we can come boldly to His presence, to His throne room. So, see here in Esther, sorry. Uh, so here, so it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favour in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. And the king said to her, What do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you even to the half of the king, my kingdom. So it's a picture of what God is, is doing, has done for us. That we can come like Esther to the king's presence to touch the scepter of righteousness given, and we are given the breastplate of righteousness. That in other words, you're okay with me. You're right, you know. And, uh, and, and God is asking, what do you wish, Chris Ong? Right? What, what do you wish? What is your request? And I'll give you everything that's in your heart's desire. It says, um, delight yourself in, in, in Psalm 37. I think it's verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. That's what it's like. But many of us don't understand that. And we come timidly. We think God is so far away. Oh, will God... Many people, many of my, uh, you know, sheep come to me and say, Pastor, pray for me. I don't know whether God will entertain this request of mine, you know. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't have enough faith. That kind of, No wonder you, you, you are in that state. Because you haven't entered into that revelation. And uh, just know this, that when Jesus died on the cross, that temple veil that was a few inches thick and, you know, very big, thick curtain that uh, is almost like a door, as heavy as a door. It's so, so many layers. And the reason why it's so many layers and so thick is so that people who are leaning on the curtain won't accidentally fall <laughs> into the Holy of Holies or step into the Holy of Holies and then you're gone, you're finished. The presence of God will kill you straight away. There will be a laser beam, as it were, from the glory of God that will strike you dead. So it's so thick, but when Jesus died on the cross, that curtain was torn from the top down, not bottom up. If it's bottom up, it, it's man's effort, but this is God Himself ripping that temple veil to, tell, to give you a message, to give the world a message that His presence it's not hidden anymore. That you can approach His presence anytime and that you don't have to be holy enough to worship God. See, before, when the, when the veil was there, you have to be holy enough to enter His presence. Otherwise, even like the high priest, if you're not holy enough, the moment you go in and there's sin in your life, Pow, you know, you're dead and you have to be pulled out with a rope or something. But now that God has torn that veil, it means you can come to Him as you are. 
just as you are. Just like the lady with sin and, and who was a prostitute and had demons cast out of her, Mary, Madeline. Jesus just accepted her as she is. Like the demoniac, when he came to Jesus, Jesus says, Jesus didn't say, Oh, demoniac, don't come near me. Make sure you get clean first. Make sure you go to Holy of Holies first. Make sure you uh, confess all your sins, give all the animal sacrifice. Then you can come and worship me. No, he didn't say that. He allowed the demoniac who was unclean to come and worship him. And then he cast out the demons from them. So are you ever holy enough to worship God? You're never holy enough, but God's blood makes you holy. And you are worthy enough to worship. And in fact, worship makes you holy. So if you feel, if you come today and you feel that, oh, you know, I, I'm not good enough, God. I'm, I'm really terrible. I, I did this this week and I said that and I thought this. and I, I, I'm not... I'm just being a hypocrite if I worship you. You're not. That, that's the lie of the devil to tell you that you're being hypocritical in worshipping God even though you don't feel like worshipping Him. The very fact that you worship Him, he, you will begin to see Him as He is and you will be transformed from glory to glory. So worship makes you holy. You don't have to be holy to worship God. Just come as you are to worship God. That's how wonderful the breastplate of righteousness is to your life. And finally, in the last piece, is the sandals of peace. This deals with your emotional well-being. It deals with, it, it relates to the atmosphere of peace <coughs> within you. Do you carry the peace of God wherever you are? Or is your, your atmosphere inside of you determined by the external atmosphere around you? Many people allow the external environment to affect the internal environment. But Jesus always, wherever He went, His internal environment affected his external environment. So you can go to a room where there's a lot of strife and quarreling, but you step in and the spirit of dissension will leave and you bring in peace and harmony into that place. It's just like uh, I, I remember telling the story of my pastor David Goh that uh, when he first started his church, two of his elders were quarreling like mad. And so he brought them together into the room to resolve the differences. And the more he tried to resolve the, their differences, the more the heated they were to a point that they almost wanted to fight each other. And it, these are elders, elders of a church. And so in his desperation, he says, Holy Spirit, help me, what do I do? Holy Spirit says, go to the kitchen. See that bucket there, fill it with water. And so he went and filled the bucket with water. Then he came out with the bucket of water. Then he asked, Holy Spirit, what do I do next? Pour it on them? No, the Holy Spirit says, roll up your sleeve, kneel down, wash their feet. 
And as he washed their feet, these two elders became so ashamed of themselves. Sin, they were convicted of sin and pride. And they broke down and cried and they hugged each other and asked each other for forgiveness. Peace entered that room, broke the spirit of dissension and contention and hurts and anger. And today, I know because Pastor David Go is my best friend in Malaysia, the two elders are best of friends. Isn't that powerful? You bring the, the sandals of peace, the atmosphere of peace. So don't complain that the atmosphere you're in is, is terrible. You be the agent, the ambassador of peace. It says, be a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, not troublemakers. Right? Many of us are actually troublemakers. <laughs> Instead of bring peace, we, we are the instigator. We create problems through our gossips, through our loose words, through what we do and our attitudes. What, you know what? Peace overcomes inner storms. Do you have anxiety, fear, cares, burdens, confusion and hurts? that rob you of your peace today? You know, it's very interesting to see that these pieces of armour, one leads to the other. And the, the sequence that Paul gives in Ephesians 6 is really divinely inspired. Because without truth, you cannot have righteousness. Without righteousness, without right standing and access to God, you cannot have your peace with God. So that's why when you do the full armor of God, don't say, I put on helmet of salvation first and sword of the Spirit. You know, some people do that. They, they don't follow the sequence that is given by Paul in the Bible. They, the sequence is given there for a purpose and a reason. And it's so beautiful to see that you that if you are in error, your whole life is gone, it's finished. That's why you've got to align yourself to the truth and the truth will set you free to have understanding of your righteousness, your position in Christ. And through your position in Christ, you then be able to give, cast all your cares, your burdens, your worries to Him and absorb His peace. Now, peace is essential for life. Without peace, like in Syria, the picture there is of Syria, there can be no health, prosperity, relationships and life. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, wants to rule. The word rule is the umpire of your heart. Last one. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I will close with this short two-minute uh, video. And I, I just have a sense today that the Lord told me that there are a number of you that have a lot of burdens and anxieties and cares and even fears, confusion in your heart. As you listen to this song, open your eyes, look at the screen. Let the peace of God be absorbed. Let your heart absorb the peace of God that is in this place today. Alright, can we, uh, Nick, play that video right now? My peace. 
deiner Priester. Heavenly Father, I declare your truth over your people. I declare your right standing, your righteousness over them. May they know that they are loved. They are liked and they are truly loved by God who loves. May they have the peace of God that passes all understanding, no matter how big the problem is. This is a peace that passes all understanding. Rip all the anxieties from their hearts right now. Absorb it. Take it away from them. All their cares, all their confusion, all their fear. And release the peace, the shalom. I declare the shalom of God to every heart here. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.